believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And as we've come to this part of the book of Ruth, a very simple reminder of where we're at. This is the time of the end of the book of Judges, so it's about 1100 B.C. We know the time of the book of Judges was a very difficult time. People did what was right in their own eyes. There was lawlessness and great evil in the land, which we, of course, saw as we went through the book of Judges. But this book taking place in that timeline is a beautiful story. It's a love story. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of bitterness giving way to blessings. And it's just been such a joy to teach this book and go through this book with all of you over the last month. And as we come to chapter four, the main players again are Ruth, Naomi, and Boaz. So Naomi and her husband had moved to Moab 10 years before during a famine. So they left Israel and moved to Moab, left, sold their property, their estate, everything, and moved. There in Moab for 10 years, the two sons of Naomi married women, Moabite women, and then both sons died. Her husband also died. So in a 10-year period, she lost the three most precious men in her life, her husband and her two sons. But her daughter-in-laws loved her very much, both the Moabite women, and she encouraged them to remarry, go back to their families, go forward. She was going to go back to Israel, back to Bethlehem, where she was from. And so she told the girls, just stay here you don't want to be with me. But Ruth insisted to go with Naomi. And she said, your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And I'm going to be by your side to the end of the journey. It was a great, deep, unconditional love coming from her. And again, what a major commitment from Ruth to make that decision to be with Naomi that way. She's saying goodbye to her family, her culture, the gods on the other side of the river. Everything she knew, she said goodbye and went forward in faith toward the God of Israel, Jehovah, his son, Jesus, who's to come, the word of God, Mount Sinai, the burning bush, all of it, she's moving toward the things of God, which is a beautiful story. And there, when they came back to land, remember, Naomi said to the villagers, don't call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant, call me Mara, which means bitter. So we know that she is hurt, and who wouldn't be hurt in that situation? She said, God's hand's against me. But through the course of events in the harvest season, Ruth began to glean in the field, the the barley field and the wheat fields of Boaz, who's a distant relative of Naomi. And there she found favor in the eyes of Boaz, and he allowed her to glean from the field lots of the wheat and barley and all that stuff. And this was a good sign for both Naomi from her perspective and for Ruth. So then in chapter 3, Naomi says to Ruth, look, I want you to have security. And Boaz is the Goel, the kinsman redeemer. And that means he has the legal right to purchase back our land that we gave up, that we sold when we left 10 years ago. He has the legal right to raise an heir through you to me in our family line and various other things that the Goel legal rights were according to the law of God. 
previously covered in the book of Deuteronomy. And so Naomi uh, sent out Ruth to go seek that security. Ruth came to Boaz in the middle of the night, there in the barn, laid at his feet, and she essentially said, would you be my Goel redeemer? She submitted herself to him and asked him to take her. So she asked him to marry her. And he said, uh, you are amazing. Your kindness is more in the end than the beginning. You're an amazing young lady. You could have gone after rich young men or poor young men, anyone you wanted, but you've come to me. And he said, yes, I am the Goel, but there's one who's closer than I. So stay here tonight and I'll go after this tomorrow. So the Goel had an order. There'd be like the first one, the closest relative, then the next closest relative, and so on and so forth. And Boaz knew that he was number two in line to be the Goel, the redeemer for Ruth. So when she asked him to be her Goel, he's like, well, that's, this is amazing. Uh, I'm flattered, but there's one before me. So that night they spent the night together. She at his feet, he beside her. And in the morning he gave her barley measured out to take to Naomi to show blessing and favor. And Naomi left off in chapter 3 where she said, listen, Ruth, you stay right here. The man's not going to rest till he gets this resolved and taken care of. And so off he went, this man, Boaz, with his successful business, all of his employees, his reputation. And that's the background to chapter 4. And there in chapter 4, we saw this verse by verse on Tuesday night. He comes to the city leaders, and he gets like 10 men together, and he grabs the other redeemer who's in front of him, the other Goel. He's never mentioned by name. He's just the, well, he's the starting quarterback, and Boaz is the backup quarterback. He's number two. He's in the two spot, or president and vice president. And he says, hey, you, come here, buddy. Sit down. Um, as you know, Naomi went to a faraway land. They sold everything. She came back with Ruth the Moabitess and all this, and you know the land's there. You are the kinsman redeemer. Will you redeem it back? And he says, oh, yeah, for sure I'll redeem it back. That means he had money. He could buy the property back. So he's next in line. He can fulfill that. He has the money. Because you can't, you know, just because someone offers you the house, if you can't buy it, doesn't mean it doesn't do you good. Like, yeah, it's a great house, but if you can't buy it, you can't buy it. But he could. So he says, yeah, I'll buy that property for Naomi. He says, well, when you do, you've got to take Ruth as well. And he's like, no, that's not, I'm not into the Moabite women. That's not my deal. That's just, we don't really know what his story was. He was like, I, he said twice, I cannot, I cannot do it. So it's in that background that we get our main verse tonight. In the middle of this initial conversation with the city leaders and uh, all the, it's like the city council and the, the, the leaders of the village and these important people. And there in verse 4, this phrase came up where Boaz is saying to the kinsman redeemer who's in front of him, not known by name. He said, look, I, I want to inform you saying, you know, buy this land back in the presence of the inhabitants of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. That is the key phrase we want to think about tonight. I am next after you. I'm next. I'm next in line, right? What? When we have a presidential election, we, we, we have the president and the vice president to go together because you always need a vice president. And we know in American history, a number of times, vice presidents and even beyond the vice president, like what happened with Nixon and then Agnew and all that, and then Gerald Ford became the president, you always have a next. You always have next. Who's next? Next in case of an emergency. Next practically. 
We talked about this Tuesday night, where people have a trust or a will, an estate. Using a trust, you have this, the primary trustee, and then you have successor trustees. So if the first person who would run the trust upon someone's decease is not willing or not able, then you have a next person and a next person to make sure the beneficiaries all get the payout and things get taken care of, uh, things in probate or quick claim properties and stuff like that. So you have successor trustees. That's principal, vice principal in a school. Starting quarterback, backup quarterback. Starting goalie, backup goalie, right, in soccer. Like you, it's in our human nature to have someone prepared for next, but also in the human experience, we know someone always is next. If you go to Washington, D.C., and you're, you're buying trinkets there in D.C., you can buy a thing that shows all the presidents of the United States. And we can testify, starting with George Washington, John Adams, Jefferson, and the rest of them, there's always someone that's got next, including our current president right now. Someone's next. And as time goes on, someone will be next after him or her, whatever the future may hold. In the Bible, we see next all the time. Moses is going to die, and what does the Lord say to him? You're going to die. Joshua's next. So recognize Joshua in front of all the people, ordain him, and put him before the people to know that when you're gone, he's now the new leader. And this is what happens with churches. When, you know, Pastor Chuck goes to be the Lord, Brian Broderson, his son-in-law, gets next. It's just the way it, the way it works in the human experience. So there's, there's always a next. And when we think about our next, because generally there's a next for us. Because we say in the new year, like, hey, what's the next thing? What's next for you? What's, you know, I've talked with some of you. What's next at work? What's next in the new year? Next is getting married. Next is a new job. Next is a job transfer. Next is moving out of state, right? We watch a lot of people move out of state. What's next? When you think about, like in a business sense, when you talk about what's next, usually it's you being prepared for the next thing that you would do in your field of expertise. So if you're really, well, my in-law, Sue, Jennifer's older sister, she was a nurse for years. She decided she wanted to be a doctor. So what's next to be a doctor? She went to UCSD and did all of her stuff for her doctor to become a doctor, did her residency in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and lo and behold, she became a doctor. And she practices medical stuff up in San Francisco. So there's, there's that idea of next. So like, what's next for Joy Brand? What's next for you? What, what's, what, what are, like, what does God have next for you? What is he preparing us for? Because we, we don't stop living and we're always wanting to grow. And, you know, we know people in this church have retired this year. So what's next with you in retirement? What does semi-retirement looks like, look like? What's, what's the vision? What's the plan? So I think this is a really good topic for us because in light of what we've all been through the last couple of years with the COVID pandemic and all that, everything's been shaken up. Like we might say, what's next for the global economy? What's next for the U.S. economy, the stock market? What's next for uh, cryptocurrency? What's next for the U.S. housing market? What's next for China and all their recession? What's going on there? Like what's next is sort of like something in the future and being ready for it. And what I like about this story in the context is when Boaz says, I am next after you, he's not going to be caught off guard for what is coming his way as next. This man is fully ready for what is coming next. 
He's got 10 witnesses and the village gathered together because he knows what's next. He's open to what's next. He's going after what's next. And it's lead, follow, or get out the way if you're the other Goel. Hey, step up or back out. I got next. Like they say on the basketball court with street hoop. Hey, we got next. We got next. Or even in surfing, there's priority, right? So someone gets the next pick of the waves, and there's, as you paddle back out, there are color codes based upon your jersey, and you're like, I'm second priority, they're third priority, and I got next. You move up the priority ladder in, in surfing, amateur and pro surfing. Now that's the way it works. So I want us to think tonight about next in 2022. Going forward, your calling, your opportunity, your choices, because you know next is a choice too. If a guy asks a girl to get married, she can decide, is this the next thing in my life? I'm going to say yes and get married? Or like, I, I, I'm not going to get married. I'm not ready. That's, that's, maybe later, you know, like you just different things. Or, or you're working like, hey, we want to make you the vice president. But then you realize vice president's the same pay with double the work. I'm not so sure I want that next. The title sounds good, but the, the pay didn't change. What's next? For our lives with the Lord in 2022. Just the future as a whole. What's next for our families? What's next for the church? For our country? There's a lot of next that we don't have any control over. You start Googling on YouTube, what's next for global economy? And the conflicts of perspectives are endless. But you seek the Lord about what's next in your life. You will hear clearly what he has for what's next for us. It's not my job to figure out what the Chinese are doing with their recession right now. It is my job to know what God has next for me in my marriage with my children, grandchildren, this church, and the upper call of God in Christ Jesus, as it is for you. What's next? So let's frame it with that. What's, what's next? So in, in this context of this, in verse 5, of what's, he says, I'm next, so I'm next. And he knew, he knew who he was. He knew he's the Goel, the backup Goel. He knows where he's at. He knows what's going on. He doesn't wake up. He's not on his heels. He's not in uh, response. He's proactive, not reactive. Let, let's just stop there for a second on that thought. We do realize in the story by now, Boaz is a proactive man, not a reactive man. He's a man of faith that goes to work, and he blesses people before they can bless him. He knows what Ruth has done for Naomi before Naomi ever tells him who she is. He already knows. This guy does a scouting report. This guy, this guy gets up early. He gets up early and gives weed away at the dawn of light to Ruth to take home to Naomi in chapter 3. This guy is in front of things, not behind them. So when he says, I'm next after you, he knows exactly what that means. He knows exactly who he is in the universe where he's at with the Lord, what's going on around him within the city. That's why he's got the whole city gathered, the ten witnesses. This guy, hey, fella, sit down here. He knows exactly what he's, like, like, like Naomi said to Ruth, don't you worry. He won't rest till the matter is settled. He's a doer. He gets stuff done. There's talkers and walkers. This guy gets it done. Some people talk about what happens. Some people just make things happen. Boaz makes things happen. So when he says, I'm next, he knows what that means. And in this context, 
when he says to the guy who's in front of him, unnamed Goel, he says um, in verse 5, you see in your Bible there, uh, so when he says, look, if you're going to do it, do it. If not, let me know, because I'm next after you. He goes, and, and, and uh, Goel number one, and then he goes, dude, I, I got this. Yeah, I'm, yeah I get it. I'll, I'll redeem it. Who doesn't want beachfront property in Dana Point? You know, like, I'll do it. I got the money. Sure, I'll, I'll buy back the property. I'm a benevolent man. I'm a good man. I'll, I'll buy that back for Naomi. We're, we're all family here. Comma. Not period. This paragraph's not over, because then... then um, Boaz says in verse 5, Well, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. It's like, okay, well, you know, the land is one thing, but you got you to you marry her. Now, I think the story would imply she's an attractive woman just by, like, the things Boaz says. But nonetheless, he says, you know, it's one thing to think someone's cute or funny or uh, you're attracted to them. It's quite another to say, I will. Right, married people? I mean, yeah. It's quite another to say, I will. I mean, that's totally life-changing. Like, you do a wedding and you say, okay, like, this is your life bef- you know, before now. It was you and you. And, but now you grow in the Lord. You come together and it's the two become one. It's like, it's, it's a game changer. In the next 30 to 40 years or whatever marriage is, it's less of you, more of Jesus, and loving them unconditionally. And if you do that, you win. If you don't, you probably lose. It's death to self, serving others in Jesus' name. And um, so this guy, this other guy, Goel number one, who has money, has an inheritance, has an estate. He, he goes, I can't, <laughs> I can't do that. In case you didn't hear the first sentence, I'm saying it again. I cannot, I cannot. I cannot do this. It's not going to happen. And we talked about that on Tuesday night in application. Not so much tonight. But what I do want to emphasize is where Boaz says, you must also. So Boaz is next, and he knows what the job really entails as the goel. We talked about the goel. The goel could redeem the land. The goel uh, is required to raise up an offspring for a brother or a relative that the perpetuation of the inheritance goes to the family. So you give up your name and your rights to marry into this and provide offspring. So it wouldn't be like the Joy Brand estate, but it's someone else's estate. Like, that's how that would work. So, of course, like, well, why am I going to build their house? I got my own house. Most people would put a prenuptial on that, you know, like on a second marriage or something. But you're actually giving that up. That's part of the whole deal. That's like, you must also give up your name, your identity, your trust in your name, and now it's the trust in Naomi's name, and you're producing offspring for her, and the productivity, or whatever comes to that offspring, is her inheritance, not yours. So you must also, which means we need to count the cost, because also is everything. Like we were saying earlier about if you're going to take the job, and you're next in line for the job, what does the job really entail? In ministry, the first few years, you think you could run a church better than the one that runs the church. But when you get closer to it, you realize, and you get beat up a little bit and got some scars, you realize no one in the right mind would ever choose to be the lead pastor of any church under any circumstance, especially a large church. Because, oh, yeah, you're the lead pastor. You just get up and teach, and, and you know, you greet people afterwards like, hey, have a nice week, you know, God bless you. You, know, this is the guy. you think that's what it is. 
You don't know what people are plotting evil against you and blaming you for everything wrong in their life. You don't know when you're Pastor Chuck and you're trying to minister to this guy who's unstable. He comes by your house, you get in the car with him, and he pulls a loaded gun on you and puts it to your head. True story, Pastor Chuck. The best part of that story, by the way, is Kay said, don't get together with that guy. He's going to pull a gun on you and threaten to shoot you. And so when the guy did it, Chuck said his first thought was, Kay's a prophetess. <laughs> True story. In big churches, people don't care so much about the assistant pastors. They want to leverage the lead pastor in a divorce, in a financial dispute, in a dispute amongst roommates in an apartment dwelling. You have no idea. Whenever we get involved in potentially violent things, stalkers, threats, death threats, stuff like that, people are like, I had no idea that you guys were involved with this. Like pretty much we, most of the time, especially in a big church, you just, you wouldn't know. So you want to be the lead pastor and get up on Sunday morning and seeing how great thou art instead of Pastor Chuck. You're like, I got this. We can do this until you realize what, what Pastor Chuck really did or what Brian Broderson really does or what I do here or Pastor Matt with Shoreline here on a Sunday morning. It's not just that, I always tell people this, the teaching is the easy part of ministry. The tending is what will break you and crush you. Because you die for the flock as you protect the flock. And you correct the flock. The tending is the hard part. So you have to count the cost. And that's what we have here. To take a relationship from being like, we're cute, we think we're funny, he's cool, she's pretty, to like, we're going to get married, and for better, for rich, richer, for poor, you have to count the cost. You have to to consider the whole package when you're saying, I'm next and I'm available. When you say, "I'm, I'm next and I'll do it, or like the first Goel, like, yeah, I can do that, I will do that, but no, you, you must also buy that you must also do this I remember when Jacob married Leah 10 years ago I said to Jacob the good news is you get to go home and and go to bed with my daughter the bad news is you got to get up at 7 in the morning and go make money so you can take care of my daughter and he's done that for 10 years and has been very successful at it too but like hey you know see the bad news is you can't go surfing just because the surf's good and the tide's right (laughs) it doesn't work like that anymore like this it's the whole package So as we think about what's next for us with the Lord, and we feel like, hey, maybe he's calling us to do this. Maybe he's calling us to do that. If you move out of state, I mean, we we look at the people we love very much that have moved out of state and what a big change that was, right? So our friends that moved to Texas or our friends that moved to Indiana, it's like you wake up in Indiana and you you have a home and you're blessed and God's taken care of and you're working remote, but you know, it's now five below. And you still haven't found the church. It's your home church. There's always... There's always a lot there. There's a whole package when you say, I'm in for this. I'm going to go for this. There's all, E, all the above. And that's what Boaz uses here to this premier Goel. So he says, I'm next. But he, he exhorts this guy, reminds this guy, well, you got to also do this. You don't just buy the land. You're going to lose your identity and you're going to change your inheritance and you're going to commit to this Moabite woman the Moabites, of course, were perpetual enemies of Israel. They were under the curse of God for 10 generations. We talked about that. And this woman's a widow. So just know, like, that's your responsibility. So, you know, it's so easy to say, yeah, I'll do this. And you're like, then you find out what it really is you, you got to do. And you start, like, getting on your heels sometimes. 
So give this guy credit. He just goes, I, I cannot, I cannot. Just, just can't do it. You know, I coached a lot of good surfers over 40 years, and it took a lot of good surfers to Hawaii. And everyone wants to surf the pipeline, and they're all going to surf pipeline. And like, they're all, back in our day, we're going to be like Jerry Lopez, and it's going to be like Kelly Slater, and who actually won there today. It's like, you know, and, and, and you know what happens when people see real pipeline for the first time? You find out really quick if they're ever going to surf pipeline or not. And, you know, there's guys that were really good surfers. The, the first time, like, friends from Carlsbad, whatever, were there on the North Shore, and it's like real pipe, and they're really good surfers. They charge big waves in California, La Jolla, Reese, like, and, and they're like, and I'm like, dude, this, this is far. Let's get out. They're like, I, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, like, this is where we, we, we part ways. I stay here, you go there. The I cannot goes a long way. And it's not a main point, but give credit to the girl who says, I cannot. And it's always okay to say, I just can't do that. It's just, it's not something I can do. It's not in me. It's not what I'm called to do. So we count the cost. The Goel who says, I'm next, I'm willing to step up, do whatever's required. We need to consider all the factors and count the cost completely. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.